Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the All Might Be Edified Discussions on Servant Leadership. I'm Keith Pankow, the host of this podcast, and I have the amazing privilege to be here with Tua Vaai from New Zealand. Tua was born and raised in Wellington, New Zealand. He's the youngest of three boys and went to Rongatai College. His favorite sport is rugby. His favorite food is brisket. And he served a full-time mission in Alaska. And he's currently just very recently accepted a job offer with a company called Carpet Core in New Zealand as an operations coordinator. So I know he's very excited about it and I'm excited for him. And I met him when he was in Alaska serving that mission. And Alaska was a challenging move for me. It was the darkness got to me. It was a hard place to live. It was a very remote community. It was amazingly beautiful and the people were wonderful, but I had a challenge there. And Tua was just a shining light while I was there. Just a great, happy face as most Pacific Islanders and especially Samoans can be just the happy people that they are and just really gained this friendship in a short amount of time. And I'm glad to have him on here and elevate his voice today and amplify it for all of you. So welcome Tua. So happy you're here today. Thanks, Keith. It's a privilege to be part of the old podcast and yeah, love your work that you're doing at the moment. Thanks so much. I really appreciate that. And I should also say that Tua and I share a love of rugby. And that was what connected us right off the bat. Because in Alaska, you don't find too many people that love rugby. It's not a thriving sport in the Arctic tundra of Alaska, or as they call it, the last frontier. So we talked a lot about rugby and I know Tua loves it and he loves his all blacks there in New Zealand. So we'll talk a little bit about them. And that's where we'll start today, because in my mind, rugby is the consummate team sport. In most sports, they're team natured or there are team elements to it, but sometimes you can get away with being an individual, but in rugby, it's really a team sport. You really can't be an individual to thrive as a team and it takes everybody on that team. And so I'm curious, what did your connection with rugby teach you about leadership along your path? That's a good question. I guess I had to start in terms of, sorry, where it all began for me was my junior rugby. I didn't actually play too much because my brothers were actually playing. I then had to step out and sort of give up my junior rugby for my brothers and follow them. They were close to just starting uh, high school. Uh, We call it college over here. So that was a big lesson for me because it taught me selflessness, humility, and following them with the school spirit. Um, Rongatai College helped me to become an actually better player and also analyst. I feel that those who are better leaders in the games are the better studiers of the game. And that's where it really started for me as a leader. Um, I also had the opportunity to captain our first 15 team, which is sort of our top team in college, which is high school over there. And I actually followed a famous name in rugby of All Blacks, who captained our team before I did, which was Adi Savia, who made his debut as captain last year. And he just really led by example. When we needed, in a moment of need in, in our matches, you really need someone to step up, not really more so tell you what to do or how to do it, it's more so showing us how to do it. And I think that his example... His leadership in that regard not only follows him through our time in college, but it really helped us. Well, it's really helped him in his career, being a successful you know, entrepreneur now. A captain, as I mentioned, he was actually our head boy for our school. You know, he's a fashion designer and a CDO of his own clothing brand. And just his values of hard work and love, something that I try to mirror 
it's not only made me a better person, but also, you know, a better leader. That's such a wonderful answer and so many things to talk about there. Let's start with what you started with, selflessness and humility. You know, those are traits that oftentimes in the United States and in many cultures, we don't associate selflessness and humility with great leadership. I think you recognize that those are amazing traits of great leaders, but too often we don't talk about those traits and what they mean to a leader. So I wanted to to talk about those a little bit. You shared a little bit of the example of the current captain of the the New Zealand All Blacks, who was one of your predecessors and mentors, amazing story, and how he kind of modeled some selflessness. And I think you talked about in your own life how you shared that selflessness with your brothers to allow them to thrive because they're a little older than you and enjoy their time in the spotlight. What else has helped you recognize how important selflessness and humility are to being a good leader? Uh, definitely where we met on <laughs> my mission in Alaska, Keith and we, you know, being out there so far from home, New Zealand is very far away from Alaska. As you said, it was quite cold, dark, and, you know, it was tough. I wouldn't say miserable because it was probably the best experience of my life. Being out there wasn't about me. I had to learn that and it definitely humbled me. That's where I think one of the examples in my life really helped me to understand those two values. And it's helped me, you know, be a better me, be a better example to others and be able to mentor that to the rising generation. Because I think that uh, one thing that my mission president actually taught us when I had the opportunity to train a new missionary, he got us into a circle and he asked us, what are you really here to do? What are you, what's the first thing you're going to let your new trainee know? Well, these are new missionaries with excitement and enthusiasm, and they really want to get out there and, you know, fulfill their purpose. And we all pitched in, you know, the answers that you would want to hear, um, things around our purpose and whatnot. And But he helped us to realize that we were there to make them better than we were leaving the mission in a place or leaving wherever you are in a better place that you found it. And that was, you know, something that sort of stuck with me even until now and helped me realize it's never about you when you're in leadership. It's always the people that you serve. It's always the what you can do for them, then making them better and creating that environment that will be a change in generations. It's not, it's not just a legacy that you leave for yourself, but also for future generations to come. And I think those two values really help me in my life, making um, decisions where I'm happy, I feel peace, and I feel joy. And I would say it's, re- it's really helped those in my circles to emulate those values and also I would say make this world a better place. Yeah, that's a beautiful answer and such such a great response. I love how you said it's not about me and removing that ego from the equation is, is part of why humility is so powerful because we stop focusing on ourselves, our own anxieties, our own fears, our own ambitions, all of our own selfish motivations and you know, maybe vain ambitions. And we start to look at how do we really make the people around us, the organization, and even ourselves better than before we started, better than we found it. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, I think a natural result as we focus on making everything around us better than we found it, we, we become better. 
and like you just pointed out in such a beautiful way. And so I love that answer. And I think legacy is such a powerful thing to think about, but you're right. Legacy shouldn't be what did I do or what did I achieve right now? Or what did I achieve in a time frame? It's what did I do that helped others surpass their limitations, become the best yeah. versions of themselves? That's the real, the real power and definition of legacy. And yeah. too often we focus on our own minuscule accomplishments that we might make bigger than they need to be, yeah. you know, to get the praise that we're looking for when we should be really pushing the people around us to grow in such a powerful way like you represented. I think it was the philosophy around leadership, something that when, when you're talking about legacy, I sort of, you know, clicked the light bulb in my head. So in, when attending Rongatai College, uh, which is a high school here, for the time that I was in high school, we um, lived by a code, you know, obviously you, you, you live by codes where you're on the, you know, uh, Coast Guard and whatnot. Um, and highly respected. Uh, leadership philosophy comes from a Samoan proverb um, that we um, in Rongatai College always state and always remember. It goes like this. Uh, the Samoan proverb is oleala ilepule ole tautua. What it means is the pathway to leadership is through service. For me, it's, it's, it's really... Is very powerful. Such a short sentence explains uh, that without service in your life, you know, you're never going to achieve that, I'll say, your potential or that kind of legacy that our school had. And it sort of prepared me for life and to be, you know, giving off service for two years in Alaska, not knowing the people that I was talking to, <laughs> not knowing anyone there, um, but having faith and trust in my purpose that I was there for. Um, knowing that I was giving of myself selflessly through service, I found a way, a, a pathway of like eternal happiness. And I couldn't have been more happy or more prepared, I would say, from, you know, that, that Samoan proverb that we upheld in, I would say, our school legacy. So that, oh, sorry, that was just something that sort of popped into my mind. No, as we're no, speaking about no it. need to apologize for that. That is a perfect addition to this podcast because that's servant leadership. That's the definition. And that philosophy, that proverb is a beautiful representation of servant leadership in action, in words, in philosophy, and in a culture that I love. I know you love it. It's your culture, but the Samoan culture is such a powerful culture and one that I highly respect and is where I first learned about rugby through being stationed with a Samoan in California. And so just I'm so glad you shared that. And you'll have to send me the how it's written in Samoan so I can add it to the blog as well. So we can no, let, people, yeah, let other people join in embracing that culture and that wonderful phrase and leadership philosophy. Now, you've talked to me a little bit about how there's some challenges being a Samoan in New Zealand. And so I wonder, how has it been for you to live your culture, to embrace it when you have kind of a dual culture. Yeah, you're a Samoan, but you're also a New Zealander. And so how do you reconcile with that and face the tension of those competing cultures sometimes? So yeah, definitely a good question. So I was born in New Zealand, um, obviously full Samoan, brought up around my culture uh, with people um, even going to Samoan speaking, you know, services in my church and learning as much as I could, but being not be, uh, you know, visiting Samoa 
and then coming back to New Zealand, the easiest way to learn your language fully is to be immersed in it. And, you know, people speaking day and night, you know, not speaking English to you all the time. And that was the biggest challenge that I've, I had I'm learning my language. I'm still at, you know, a sort of intermediate sort of stage. Uh, where I'm, I'm speaking my language and uh, my, you know, my Samoan heritage. But there is, you know, a challenge uh, for those who aren't born in the islands and don't know your language fully. Um, and there is sort of a, how would I put it? Um, people who sort of look down on on those people, and I sort of wanted to bring that up because you know we are firstly you know children of God, and that whatever circumstance that you're um, brought into this life in, you can definitely make a change, and it doesn't matter you know your background or um, you know where you've come from. There's there's always that potential, and I just feel that. That's what I've learned over the few uh, over the years that I've been on this earth and meeting great people like you, Keith, and um, a lovely family like yours, and knowing that you know you can make it your own and having that confidence to speak that out to others that you know might even be of other cultures but born in another country, you know, not fully connected. I would say that you might feel. Um, especially around those circles and you know, may bring, uh, I'll say, a, a certain feeling of, un, you know, being uncomfortable. But that's, I would say that's definitely growth. You know, it's your decision of what you make of it. And just wanted to, you know, give confidence to those who are out there that you can definitely step up in whatever direction you want to go in your life and be an example of a legacy that you provide. And that, you know, starts off yourself, your circles of who you surround yourself with, because that's very important of being influenced as a leader, becoming a leader and, you know, yourself um, in personal growth. And I think that's another attribute that needs to be, you know, worked on throughout your life, uh, you know, leadership, um, and service doesn't stop just, you know, within a couple of years, which I actually found out when I came back on my, off my mission. We talked about being um, a return missionary instead of a retired missionary and, you know, continuing to give service. And that sort of helped I uh, sort of chose my career path. Um, I wanted to be in the service of others because it gave me joy. It gave me satisfaction knowing that, you know, I was providing a service for a customer or people, you know, just helping them to receive what they're, you know, paid for or out for and the happiness, you know, smiles on their faces or the kind of remarks that they give. Those are win-wins for me. And I, I just feel that, you know, for any of those uh, people out there that are listening to the podcast, that you're not alone for once. Um, and secondly, it's you can do whatever you can put your mind to. And that's just the challenge set forth before you as a leader. And when you accept it and, you know, work at it day to day, the promised blessings are there that you can become that start in your legacy for your children and for the, the generations that will follow. Yeah, thanks to it. That was a really tough question. And you gave a phenomenal answer and I really appreciate it. 
And you talked a little bit about in your, and when we first started our discussion about rugby, about how you watched your brothers and you learned from watching and you watched your mentor and you learned from watching him when he was the captain before you. And there's power in watching someone model good behavior and model, model things and teach you and, and influence you. And I really wanted to discuss this question with Tua because I've watched him and I know he models great behavior, great inclusiveness of really trying to make people feel welcome. And I also wanted to point out that we can have dominant and and minimized cultures, even when you come from the same cultural background, in Tua's case, being Samoan, being from different areas, you can have a dominant culture and you can have a minimized culture. And we have this all over the United States right now where we have dominant cultures and too often other cultures are minimized. And what I really wanted to point out here is sometimes, and more often than we are, those of us that come from dominant cultures, we need to take time to step out of the spotlight and to watch and let others shine and learn from their cultures, those cultures that we might not talk about and start to recognize our own blind spots from our own cultural lenses and start to understand yeah, I might relate to this person a lot, but I don't know exactly what they've gone through, what their cultural lens have informed them until I really start to ask the right questions. And until I create an environment of trust where that person can open up that they don't feel that they're a minimized culture. And so I, I just love your answer. I felt that we could dwell on it for a minute because like you said, that's a legacy that we can change the diversity and inclusion throughout all of our societies in such a way that we minimize discord. And right now there's Mm. growing discord, there's growing anger, there's growing conflict all throughout the world. And what we need is more conversations and real conversations and done so, as you mentioned earlier, in humility and selflessness that will give that spotlight to other people. So uh, thanks so much for sharing that. Yeah, definitely. I I enjoyed the way that you... um sort of outlined it and you know now growing um societies of diversity you know you see it a lot here in new zealand but i've seen it in the united states and that's you know it's a bigger community of diverse people and it is what you're saying um just being open-minded and i guess that comes from mindset um you know um understanding that it's not all about you and um, having that humility to be able to ask the right questions, but, you know, having the courage as well to be a part of things that um, might feel that you're uncomfortable with. And, you know, that's the start of growth. And that's where we see that, you know, there's a sort of stigma of like Samoans being full Samoans are only born in Samoa. And, you know, those who are not Samoan that are not born in Samoa, you know, there's that sort of disconnection and yeah we continue it's an ongoing discussion but yeah i would say that in the world of diversity at the moment you know everyone can relate to that definitely a good topic yeah thanks so much and more is needed i think to have ongoing conversations and you know you'll hear people say some detracting things or put people down or like in the most recent conversations about the united states the supreme court justice that was nominated is going to be the first female African-American on the Supreme Court. And so people make these derogatory comments about how she only got it because of her skin color or because she's a woman and her skin color. And those aren't helpful. What we should be doing is saying, wow, look what this amazing woman accomplished in her life. 
And how can we give her the spotlight? How can we learn from her culture? How can we learn from how she overcame the challenges of her life to become a Supreme Court justice? Anybody on that list of recommended candidates has had a successful career. So we shouldn't be looking for ways to put them down. We should be looking for what can we learn from them? And that's how we have better conversations of diversity. And I think too often we look to measure diversity through numbers and metrics as opposed to creating an environment where we can benefit from the diverse backgrounds of everyone. Definitely. Um, what comes to mind at the moment is Israel Alessanya, who was a UFC you know, MMA fighter, and he's on the world stage at the moment. And he, at the New Zealand Awards, he received an award and he gave a speech about tall people syndrome. Oh, I, I believe that's the term that he used. But what he had explained that was, was that when, you know, someone gets up on top that they've, you know, won such as uh, like a World Cup sort of thing, um, sometimes, you know, media or people tend to uh, go the negative way first instead of, you know, propping them up and giving them encouragement and congratulating them for what they've, you know, achieved. Um, Top people syndrome is that we call them haters. There's a lot of that uh, negativity around where I've, I felt that his, you know, his, his speech about it, or which you can pull up um, on YouTube, um, was valid. When people thriving or achieving a lot of things in life, uh, we should be congratulating them, encouraging them to, um, you know, keep going or just giving them, you know, props or credit for what they've achieved. And I think, you know, with media or uh, with anything, really, our natural instinct is to go negative. And I think we we build a better community or better organization or better people when we uplift, encourage and support one another in, in, in a positive way. And I think, you know, this um, podcast is, is a platform for that as well, of what you're doing. And it's great work, Keith. Thanks so much. I appreciate that, too. And uh, it means a lot to me. And we'll definitely you have to. If I can't find a link, you have to send me a link so we can blog a post about that speech to share with people because that's some great content. When you were talking about it, I was reminded of a a quote from an old U.S. president, Theodore Roosevelt, that April Rice had shared early on in the beginning of the podcast. I think she was guest number three, and it's called Man in the Arena, which is exactly what you're talking about. It says, the man in the arena, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcomings, but who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timed souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Wow. Sums it up pretty nicely. Yeah. It's, it's a great, powerful quote. And, uh, and from one of my favorite U S presidents throughout history. And uh, so I, I knew it before April shared it with me, but I never tire of hearing that quote. And I love what you talked about there. And I think that gives me an opportunity to leave the listeners with this challenge for this episode is to, look to shine the spotlight on others. 
especially someone who comes from a different culture from you. And if you can, a culture that might be minimized in your community, in your environment, whatever that may be, look to shine the spotlight on someone else and give them the opportunity to shine and show that humility and selflessness. And also look for reasons to prop them up. Don't look for reasons to tear people down. Look for reasons to prop those up. Because as Tua said, we really want to make everyone better versions of themselves. We want to leave everything better than we found it. And it's not by tearing people down that we do that. It's by showing them we care. It's by creating an environment of trust and giving them opportunities to grow, not destroying them in the process. Well, I really wanted to ask some questions to show some diverse reactions. In the United States, we had our own way of dealing with the COVID-19 worldwide pandemic. I went to Mexico. I saw, you know, I spent six months in Mexico. I saw a totally different response. And in many ways, I thought I appreciated the Mexican response better than the United States response. There were things that they did in the United States that were better, but I learned from viewing both. And I know that the Pacific Islands are full of communities that are very tight-knit. And because they're islands, they had to very be very cautious about the spread of COVID because there's limited healthcare facilities on some of those islands. And there's there's just a lot more things you had to consider with supply chains and all these different things. So there was a different set of regulations. And I kind of paid attention because there's many like you in the islands that I love and care about. So I was following it in the news, but that's totally different than living it. So I wanted to hear some of your perspectives and what you learned through the COVID-19 pandemic and how you can apply that to leadership and growth? Uh, When I think of it, our government mm, had a very tight handle on our border control. That was probably our biggest, not any issue, but um, in terms of our economy and um, financial stability. But also, you know, as you said, how we kept those islands sort of isolated so you know that you know if there was a situation that occurred um that there was an outbreak a huge outbreak out in those islands that it wasn't fatal or to a point where you know you know in the 80 90 percent because of our pacific island heritage we are tight-knit people um so that was that was something um or also um, was encouraged by not only our government but um also in our church uh, was the importance of the self-reliance program, which we have that helps us to prepare for these times. Getting a food welfare, understanding budgeting, um, understanding, you know, uh, living within our means, saving, investing, uh, things that, you know, weren't available to me as a child uh, who wasn't really taught. Obviously, there was just welfare that was had a big emphasis, um, but you know, budgeting I sort of had to learn from my mom um, over the years. I wasn't sort of taught in you know church sort of uh, community circles. Um, you sort of had to go see a budgeter who was put in place in the community by a government. But you know, we made a decision uh, with my wife's family actually to you know, hold uh, classes for our family um, to better help prepare ourselves. And I think that was the decision that enriched um, our family's knowledge because you you had uh, old, very old uh, minds who were sort of set in their ways, you know, not even preparing a welfare. 
but you know sort of living paycheck to paycheck not focusing on any savings or any investments so we decided to do that we was a 12-week program um, we enjoyed it because it brought our family closer it also provided opportunities not only for us to teach but and facilitate and become those leaders but we um, found at the end of that course each person in in our class was encouraging um, that course to not only their family, but teaching it to others around in the community. And that was something that I had learned because, you know, knowledge is power eh? and how we, you know, it's there's no use just holding it to ourselves. Um, why not bless the lives of others? And, you know, what better way to start but within your family? And when, you know, they had taken the knowledge from week to week and applied it through budgeting, through saving, through investing, through looking at um, debts and looking at interest and how interest works and um, these amazing things. Now we've moved to welfare and everyone, you know, putting in money to get welfare um, and one person going to buy their welfare and seeing the their cupboards very full and very prepared for if there was another pandemic or if there was some sort of job loss. You know, they are shining examples and now see that knowledge um, of this now can really help, you know, their children and their children's children and they're really excited and pumped through this and, you know, creating that for them. It was such a blessing to me and my wife because we felt we had achieved something and something that um, was reachable that we set out to do. And it was um, so fulfilling that we had that satisfaction that we're, um, we're able to, you know, bless the lives of those who were not just within our family, but that now they're teaching it to the community. And I had an experience with my father as well. He's very involved in, in community circles. And he also, what we're talking about in terms of our Pacific Island people, when they go for, when they are searching for refuge or um, safe havens, they go to um, your church or your ministers and they're heavily influenced by those circles. So they, they, that's pretty much their communities of help. And my father works closely with the ministers here in New Zealand, Aotearoa, and the principles that he had used were from Self-Reliance. And the ministers um, you know, in New Zealand were amazed at what kind of um, simple knowledge could really be beneficial not only to uh, their congregation, but their people. And they've, they've built, uh, sorry, sectioned off um, you know, parts of their land on their church where they're growing you know, herbs and spices and vegetables being self-reliant and encouraging that to their communities it just makes our our country uh, you know that much more special but also just brings a lot of peace to our people really throughout the that time of COVID because uh, we we not only felt it but um it was definitely the world and I think if there was one thing that we could, I, I could encourage anyone to do is look for ways to be self-reliant. Start within your family and work into community circles and just watch watch everyone grow as a people, grow together, and you'll definitely pick up leadership attributes on the way. 
and it will, it will definitely not only be a blessing to you and your family, but our communities and our countries. And I, I guess we'll flourish as a people once we get that right. Yeah, I totally agree. And I've taken a couple of the self-reliance classes and it was interesting because I was challenged by some church leadership to take some of those courses. And I feel that I'm very self-reliant, but the, the challenge was, well, you need to learn more so that you can help others be more self-reliant, just as you talked about. And I, so I really appreciated everything you just said there. And what I, for those of you who don't know much about the self-reliant program that we're discussing, obviously Tua and I know much about it, but the program teaches you how to first be self-reliant, how to then give of your excess or anything else to help others in their time of need. But then also as you're doing that to teach them to become self-reliant. So there's this process to build your own resource pool to share those resources, and then help other people build those resources. And Shanna Farmer, who is the CEO of United Way in Pueblo, Colorado, she talked about how their goal at United Way is to help build capacity in organizations and people. And it's the same principle. The more capacity we create in people around us, the more we can meet the growing needs throughout the world, because the needs are always going to outweigh the resources. So the more that we can help people grow their own resource pool, the more we can meet those needs. And Thero said it beautifully on his episode that all might have a larger piece from a larger pie. When we build more resources, everybody benefits, everybody can have more, and we don't have to fight over scraps. We can build everyone up together. And that's the power of the program that Tua is talking about. And I'll share some things in the show notes. And my last comment on that is that they continue to evolve those courses. And I'm I'm so excited they recently came out with an emotional self-reliance course that talks about even your mental health and to attack those many challenging issues that we're facing in the world today to look beyond your physical necessities, but even that mental growth as well. So some powerful things there. Well, Tua, I'm so glad you've been on today. Just a phenomenal conversation. And I want to give you one last chance to share with the listeners anything that comes to mind that you want to share with them to wrap us up today. I would say definitely find joy in what you do. And if there's someone that inspires you, that, you know, shows every sort of value or example of what you want to be, and they give you something that, you know, you don't have uh, that could be beneficial, not only to your life, but to those around you and the generations to come, I would say be a, be a better student than they were. And I, I promise that as you do that, um, find that example of, of the leader that you want to become you know, you, you can become that person and be better. And as you do that, other people will be studying you as well. And there'll be, you'll create a cycle of um, never ending great leaders, um, not behind you, not before you, but in a legacy that you can leave and also be proud of when you look back at it. So be that servant, love what you're doing and love who you serve. Um, would be my yeah would be my sort of last words I'll say um, to our listeners out there um, yeah again thank you Keith been a pleasure to have uh, be a part of your podcast and appreciate your time thanks so much to a yes please create a never-ending cycle of great leaders love it thanks so much for listening thanks so much for joining us and please like rate and subscribe to the podcast so others can find it and follow the blog as well at www.thatallmightbeedified.com and have a wonderful day.